Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. So the ability for him to endure to the end through all that he went through was that there was a supernatural joy that was in his heart. Joy gives you the ability to endure hardship, pain, struggle, whatever you're going through, there's a joy that is given to us that is not, it's not happiness. And it's important that we understand there's a difference between joy and being happy. Happy is, is something that, that we receive when things are going well for us. It's like, for instance, you, you get happy when, when you're blessed. You get happy when um, things are going well at work or, or going well in your relationships. You're happy when, um, when you're able to meet all your bills and have a little left over to go get something for yourself. Happiness is temporal. Happiness is, is at times can be fleeting because you know that happiness is connected to what you're experiencing in life. And at times, not everything is going to be going your way in life. And so therefore, when times are rough, the happiness isn't there. But what I'm going to be talking about today is a supernatural joy that doesn't leave you when you're going through the hard times. It's going to be the anchor to your soul. It's going to give you the ability to endure through what you're going through that is not going to be contingent upon your circumstances being all lined up and and going well for you. So this is what I want to talk about. Joy is a gift that is given to you through the Holy Spirit. It is a gift from the Father to you that is unspeakable and full of glory. It is a gift. We're not talking about, at this moment, the fruit of joy that we find in Galatians 5. I want to talk about today a joy that you can receive that will enable you to walk through some of the most difficult times in your own personal life. So my desire and my my passion today is that today you will set your face to experientially know the joy that is offered to us in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about this joy that is talked about in Nehemiah 8. It says this, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So if you turn with me to chapter 8 of Nehemiah, I want us to look at this supernatural strength that is imparted to us. Just so you know, I want to give you a little backdrop on, on what is going on in Israel. The Israelites are returning from Babylon after seven years of, of exile and being slaves in a foreign land. And when they get back, they realize that all of the walls around Jerusalem have been decimated. They've been destroyed. All of them are laying down on the ground, and they're, they're, they're very vulnerable to an attack. They are, are very few in number, and there's an effort on their, on their part to try to begin to rebuild the wall, but it's such an enormous task that many of them just give up. And so God calls this man Nehemiah, 
He anoints him as a leader to do this massive work of rebuilding this wall. And it's not just a small task. This wall is two and a half miles long and it's 40 feet high. And these stones aren't just little stones you find in a river. They're massive. They're huge. Have you ever seen these stones? I've been in Jerusalem before, and I've seen these stones that were laid, and it is phenomenal that they were able, even able to move those things. And they didn't have like these nice, you know, hydraulic lift systems and, and backhoes and all kinds of things, you know, to assist them. They moved these things with their bare hands. So it's, it's a massive massive undertaking. And not only are they having to rebuild this wall as Nehemiah sets his face to do this, he makes the announcement and there's these two guys called Sam Ballad and Tobiah. I mean, they're not happy men. They got a frown on their face. They're like, you know, we're not going to let this happen. So they begin to bring threats to Nehemiah and all the people. Well, if you're going to rebuild the wall, we're going to come and kill you. So not only are they having this massive project to undertake, they got these two guys that are telling them that they're going to bring in an army and they're going to destroy them and kill them. So all of the people are very discouraged to the point where they have to work with a shovel in one hand and a sword on their side. I mean, having to look over the shoulder all the time. And then the kings and the nobles of the land... uh, they loaned out money to the Israelites. Okay, they're coming back to their own land and they, they loan out money so that, so that they could buy grain and they could get the food that they need, basically. And they're charging exorbitant amount of, of the interest rates are so high, unreasonable, that they begin to complain. And so in that, you got all of these circumstances going on and God calls Nehemiah to rebuild this wall. He's an extraordinary man under circumstances that are just unreal. So let's start at verse 1 in in, uh, chapter 8 of Nehemiah. And all the people gathered as one man at the square which was in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had given to Israel. And then Ezra, the priest, brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding on the first day of the seventh month. He read from it before the square, which was in front of the water gate, from early morning until midday, in the presence of men and women, those who could understand. And all the people were attentive to the book of the law. Ezra the scribe stood at a wooden podium, which they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood all of these incredible men on his right side, You go ahead and say all those names. Hashabadada. I mean, I'm just like, oh, that one name there, I mean, it's unreal. So, and then he had all these wonderful men on his left side. And then Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was standing above all the people. And when he opened it, all of the people stood up. Let's just take a moment. I'm reading the word. I've just broken it open. And the word is being delivered, and it says all the people stand up. So let's stand up. Let's just practice in the reading of the word. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered and said, Amen 
an amen. And while lifting up their hands, then they bowed low and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, I'm not going to ask you to do that because some of you might not be able to get back up. So, but this was a moment. This was a holy moment. So go ahead and sit back down. You got to realize these people, many of them had never heard the word and many of them, obviously they haven't heard the word for 70 years. So this is a holy moment, an incredible moment where God's word is being proclaimed to them once again. Also, all of these great men who were Levites explained the law to the people while the people remained in their place. And they read from the book, from the law of God, translating to give sense so that they understood the reading. So not only are they reading it, you got all these Levites, they're explaining it, saying, okay, this is what it means. So there was understanding. And then Nehemiah in verse 9, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people were weeping when they heard the words of the law. Can you imagine? As they were just proclaiming the word, it was so powerful and so cutting that they began to weep deep in their hearts. And then he said to them, go and eat of the fat, drink of the sweet, and send portions to him who has nothing prepared. For this day is holy to our God. Do not be grieved. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. I mean, this is an amazing story to unpack because you're seeing the people who who were standing in the square. It says that as the word of the Lord was being preached, that men and women, and you know, the women probably had their, their little nursing children with them. The small children were with them. And it says that they stood in attention to the reading of the word from around 8 o'clock until 12 o'clock. So for four hours, if I sat up here and read the word, you would be standing there listening to every word that was being read. And not only would you just be listening, but there would be people in your midst called Levites and they'd be explained. You know what he just said? This is what he said. Trying to explain it to you. This is an amazing sight. And so in that, Nehemiah was given wisdom um, from the Lord. I I know that, that the people were running out of steam. They were losing heart. They didn't have the joy in their lives when they first started the project. Have you ever done something that just day in and day out, maybe something that you just really didn't want to do and you just felt like the joy was just draining out of you. It's like like life was just leaving you. Well, you know what was happening to these people is that they were giving their whole heart, but they were just, it was just kind of the joy had left them. And, And Nehemiah discerned that. You know what happens? When you lose your joy, you become so weak. You know how you just... You just don't have any strength almost to get even out of bed. But when you've lost your joy, you have this inability to really rise up and and do what you've been called to do. But what is happening here is that 
is that as he was reading, as, as Ezra was reading the word, it says they wept. The word of God was cutting them to the quick. It was going to their core. And they realized that for, lo- for so long that they misunderstood that God really has loved them all this time. And he never wanted them to go to Babylon. He never wanted them to be away from him. He always wanted them to be blessed by him. And so in the reading of the word, their hearts were becoming tenderized and softened. And what happens next is amazing, is that they begin to to cry, they begin to weep over what God is communicating with them. And in that, he says something to them. He says, do not weep. Because there was a weeping that was being released because of the conviction of the Holy Spirit through the word that they have not lived their lives right before God. And so in that, there was a conviction, there was weeping, there was a deep repentance, and he's saying to them, all right, you know, weeping may endure for the night, but there's a joy that's getting ready to come right now. There's a joy that's getting ready to be released because there's a true repentance that's going on inside the hearts of the people. I was reading this the other day. The Center for Biblical Engagement, I bet you all have Googled that before, right? The Center for Biblical Engagement, it's, a, it's a, actually it's an organization that really endeavors to see uh, everyone across the whole world reading the Bible. So in this, they've done some studies and that's serious research. And um, one of the things that they've done is they have um, interviewed thousands, tens of thousands of people, and they asked them all these, uh, uh, what are the expressions of their faith? So basically, what do you do uh, uh, when you go like to church on Sunday? They said, they pray, they go to church, they sing and worship songs, and they attend small groups, and on and on. And the stuff including, which was reading the Bible. So in that, the one thing that they discovered throughout all of their research is this, that gives people victory in their life over very challenging situations was this. The one thing that gave them victory were those that engaged in God's word four times a week or more. Not three times, not two times, four times a week in the Word, they statistically found people were victorious in their lives. The head researcher said this, the statistical correlation between reading your Bible four times a week or more and living in victory is stronger than the statistical correlation between smoking and lung cancer. Nothing else even came close. Go figure. Reading the Word of God imparts such life into your heart, such encouragement, such joy that gives you the strength to be victorious in your own personal lives. You know, 
I am seeing that this be an incredible, important correlation for us right now. Because I know all of us in life can go through situations in which we are losing steam. My heart was very saddened just by I was uh, observing and watching and connecting with an old friend that at one time was flowing in the anointing and the power of God like no one I'd ever seen before. And through all that he has gone through in the last two years, it, it just saddened and grieved my heart that I was watching my friend drift away from the Lord. And I said, Lord Jesus, I pray that in my life, that as I press on in you and I receive the joy that you have for me, that I will make it to the end victorious. That at the, at the end of my life, I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your good pleasure. It is my passion and my desire that this whole church make it to the end. That we all press through all that we're going through and we can receive this joy that is vital for us to have victory in life. Romans 15.1 says this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Also too, let's read John 15.9. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I've spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. Acts 13, 52. And the disciples were continually filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand that there's a correlation between not just reading God's Word, but obeying God's Word. And us in obeying the Scriptures and what God is telling us in His Word, there is a promise to us that the Holy Spirit releases the gift of joy in your heart as you are honoring God's Word and you're not only, you're honoring it by obeying everything that it says. You know, the one thing that grieves the Holy Spirit is when we don't obey what God is saying. You know, the other day, I'm sure none of you have had any uh, arguments or challenges with your spouse, right? Y'all are are living perfect lives, right? Okay. The other day, um, I had something, you know, that was kind of exciting for me in my life, and and I came to, to share it with my wife, thinking that she's going to be as excited about it as I am. And I'm unpacking this thing, and I'm giving all the reasons why this is so good. And all of a sudden, I, I realize her face isn't really happy. And she's not receiving it like I want her to receive it. And I'm like, inside I'm going, come on! get happy. And everything within me was like, you know, this is going downhill real fast. And so 
I started, I, I wasn't like expressive in anger, but internally it started bubbling up. It started stewing a little bit. And I realized uh, I was growing angry in my heart. So I go on with my day. You know, and all day long I'm thinking, why am I in such a bad mood right now? Why am I having such a hard time? Why do I feel so tired? I feel so drained right now. I don't have any joy. I don't have any peace. You know, I realize, and the Lord just kind of brought a little correction to me. He said, you know what? He says, you're not obeying me. You're not obeying my word. And I said, well, what are you talking about? And he reminded me of 1 Peter 3, which says this. I'm looking for. Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. Okay? As with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow, as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Why? So that your prayers may not be hindered. And I realize. I was grieving the Holy Spirit by not honoring my wife. Realizing that she's not, she's not made to understand exactly what I was trying to communicate. And in that, I was grieving the Holy Spirit because I was not honoring what God said according to my relationship with my wife. And my heart was quickened. Have you ever had your heart just like cut to the core? I was cut to the core. I knew I had to make it right. And I knew that the one thing that can quench the joy of the Lord in my life is not obeying what God says in my relationship with my wife. So my question to you is, have you lost your joy? Have you lost joy in your own personal life? And then the next question is, why have you lost joy? Is there any word in the scriptures that your life is not aligning up to? Is there anything going on in your life that you are not honoring the Lord with that part of your life by listening to the word and not just listening, but obeying it? It's time that we meditate upon it. It's time that we chew upon the word of God. It's time that we live our lives obedient to it so that the Holy Spirit can release such a joy in our lives that we can feel and know the good pleasure of the Lord. John 15 says this, I've loved you as you abide in my love. Keep my commandments and you'll abide in them. As, as you abide in my love, he says, then this will happen. My joy will be in you and it will be made full to overflowing in your life. So let me ask you this. Have any of you lost your joy in life? Have you even wondered where it's gone? Do I still have it? Well, there's a way in which we can be restored back in the joy of the Lord. Let's remember that it's the Holy Spirit that fills you with this joy. In Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas were on their first missionary journey. And they're going out and they're beginning to preach the word in all the synagogues. And what happens, all of a sudden, 
there was religious leaders in their midst that rise up and they begin to blaspheme God. They begin to cause the people to, to drift away from the Lord. And in through all of that, Paul says basically, enough is enough. If you don't want to hear what I have to say, I'm going to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles got all excited. Woohoo! And so then all of a sudden, he realized that this was a fulfillment of what God had spoken over his life, that he would be a messenger unto the Gentiles. And so in that, then there was an opposition and persecution in that area where they were. And it basically says this. He says, they shook the dust off of their feet as a protest against them. And it says, then they were continually filled with the Holy Spirit and with joy. So in the midst of persecution, in the midst of challenges, they were being continually filled with the joy of the Lord and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because they were obeying God's word over their life. They were being true to what God had said over their lives, and they were aligning their lives with what God said and no one else. And so in that obedience to the word of God, it says the Holy Spirit was filling them with continued joy, even in the midst of the persecution that they were going through. This is a gift to us, church. It is a gift to receive the Holy Spirit in the midst of no matter what you're going through as you're faithful to obey his word and not grieve the Holy Spirit. And and realizing that when we grieve the Holy Spirit, we simply just need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time. It is in that humility, it's understanding that in and of ourselves, we have no ability to accomplish anything. It's just to be filled with the fullness of the Holy Spirit as a signature of God's grace and love for you, saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, and nothing can come in between us and separate us from the joy that we have. You know, the days that are upon the body of Christ right now are not for the faint in heart. Is that true? They're not for the faint in heart. We all need a supernatural strength to endure. A strength to endure through all that we're going through. So let's all express our love to God by spending more time reading His Word meditating upon his word, chewing on his word, hiding his word in our hearts and obeying his word so that we might receive the gift of joy from the Holy Spirit, this supernatural strength that you and I might endure to the end. I'm so grateful for Jesus. I'm so grateful for Jesus knowing that he was getting ready to go through the most pain and heartache and trauma that any human being has ever experienced on the face of the earth. Knowing that he would be nailed to a cross. Knowing that he would be spit upon. He would be beaten and bruised. Knowing that the very ones 
that he created before the foundation of the world were going to blaspheme him, insult him, his own children, knowing all that he was getting ready to go through. There was a joy in his heart that was going to enable him to go through it all to see his father, to hear, well done, you finished. To know that he accomplished everything that his father had given him to do. And knowing that souls and more souls were going to be won and saved into the kingdom. I, I get the honor of locking Billy Graham's office every week. I go in that office and I realize when I'm opening up this door, unlocking it, and when I'm locking it, I'm realizing that this man has endured so much. And there's a fruit of his labor, a compounding fruit that's happening in the spirit. And people ask me, how's Billy Graham doing? Like I know him, you know? I've never, oh, I met him one time at the dentist's office. When we first moved up here, you know, to plant the church, I said, I said, Mr. Graham, I said, would you please pray for me? He said, well, sure, I'll be happy to pray for you. I said, I just sold my house and I don't have a house to go to. He said, I will pray for you because my son, Will Graham, is getting ready to move up here and he's getting ready to start the job by leading the cove um, and he doesn't have a house. So when I pray for my son-in-law, my, I mean my grandson, I'll pray for you. So I said, thank you, thank you. But as I'm, as I'm locking up his office, I realized that his life, the mantle of evangelism on his life, even while he was sleeping last night in his bed, he can't see anymore and he can't hear anymore. He can only eat and sleep. And in that, as he's laying there, there's a screen in the Billy Graham Training Center. It's a big picture of the world. And it shows when somebody is online, when they Google, is there really a God? Who is Jesus? When you Google that, guess what happens? You go to the Billy Graham Association. You don't know that, but that's what happens. And there's people, all there's 500 people online. From 2012 up until now, 12 million people have given their heart to Christ online through the Billy Graham Association. So I tell people, while Billy Graham was sleeping last night, souls were being won into the kingdom. It was the joy set before him, knowing there would be millions of people that his shed blood would bring into the kingdom and save forever. We're brought into the kingdom. We never, we never suffer in an eternal godless place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth forever. Jesus knew that his blood was going to accomplish his father's desire and that millions and millions of people would come into the kingdom. That's my Jesus. That's my Jesus. He's the most courageous individual that's ever lived this planet. And that quality of having that enduring strength to go through it all is something he gives us. He says, it's yours. Follow me. 
as I followed my father. So today, let's set our hearts to honor God's word and allow his supernatural joy to be imparted into our lives. You know, I heard something the other day say, you know, if your face can't express uh, the love, the joy of Jesus, then get it off your bumper sticker off your car. I thought, well, that's a good one. Amen. Let's stand. Father, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you so much, Lord, that you've given us your word. We thank you, Lord, that your word is life. We thank you, Lord, that your word imparts all that we need in life. And Father, we thank you for Jesus, for paying the price on the cross and for giving us life forevermore through his shed blood. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this house that has never given their heart to Jesus, surrendered their lives and declared that you are Lord and have accepted the finished work of the cross, been cleansed in the blood and living forevermore, Lord, I pray you'd move upon their heart right now to come into salvation through Jesus. Father, we just ask right now, I ask that, Holy Spirit, that you would pour out the joy of the Lord in the hearts of your people. The Lord, we will not grow weary in well-doing. We will not lose heart. But Lord, there would be an eternal strength that would well up within us. And Lord, we could run the race set before us. And here at the end, well done, my good and faithful servant. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for the glory of your son, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.